With David Tennant returning as our main Doctor for the 60th anniversary year of Doctor Who, I thought now would be the perfect time to rank every David Tennant era episode. And so for this brand new episode of the podcast, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Okay, so before I start on this video, I first just want to point out that this video is inspired by a video that Crispy Pro recently made on his channel where he used the exact same tier list. So I just thought I'd give credit for that just so people don't think that I'm like stealing his idea or whatever. And I will also have his channel and his video linked in the description of this video along with this tier list that we both use. I'm also aware that whoever made this tier list hasn't put all of the episodes in the correct order. So I have got IMDB up on the side to make sure that I go through the in the correct order they were released because I think that's probably the best way to, to do something like this and obviously this is just my opinion so if you disagree with anything I say you know let me know what you think in the comments what you agree with what you disagree with and just bear in mind this is obviously my opinion so obviously with this being David Tennant episode ranking we're gonna start with David Tennant's first proper full episode as the Doctor and the first Christmas special of the new era the Christmas Invasion now, I haven't rewatched this episode in a long time, but I remember it being a, a really fun episode, and it's probably one of the best Christmas specials from, from memory, especially of the RTD era anyway. But David Tennant himself doesn't really show up that much in this episode. It's, it's mostly a bit of a Doctor Light story, which is kind of odd to say it's his first episode and we mostly just see him like lying in bed for most of the episode i'm not saying i like disagree with the choice i think it is a good idea and when we do finally get to see him at the end i think he's really great in it i think the sycorax as well are very interesting villains i think they're one that I'd, I'd really like to see come back at some point i know doctor who magazine has recently hinted at the fact that we're gonna get somebody returning from 2005 so it's absolutely possible that it could be the sycorax but i think you know trinity wells is more likely for that but for now i'm gonna put Christmas Invasion at good. So the next episode is the first episode of series 2 which is New Earth. For me personally I don't necessarily think this episode is bad or anything but I don't think it's like the best opening episode for a series and if you know me you know I'm not the biggest fan of series 2 as a whole anyway. It's a really interesting one to see the 10th Doctor and Rose interacting for the first time properly or like actually going on a proper adventure with each other where they're both actually there because for a lot of the episode they keep like swapping bodies or like Cassandra's in one of their bodies and it's not actually them and it, they get to do like a bit of fun comedy with it which you know like I said it's fun but it's not like something that I like loved or anything and I honestly don't remember too much from this episode and I don't really think of it that often so I think I'm gonna just put it in okay. Similarly with Tooth and Claw I don't really remember a whole lot from this episode standing out to me. I remember it's got a really interesting cold open that was kind of very strange but also very fun and I honestly don't even remember how it even plays into the rest of the episode. I think we get to see the 10th Doctor and Rose's banter a lot more in this because there's the whole thing of Rose trying to do her Scottish accent at the start of the episode and I think this just really shows their chemistry in this and it's a bit of an interesting story with it being about like a werewolf that ends up being like an alien but like I said I honestly don't remember too much from this episode that actually stands out to me so I think I'm also gonna put this in okay. Now we're getting on to School Reunion which is a lot better than the past couple of episodes. I still don't think I love it as much as everybody else does, but it's great to see Sarah Jane come back. And I love the scene where Sarah Jane finds the TARDIS and realizes that, the, that she's finally been reunited with the Doctor. And I also love the scene where we first meet Sarah Jane and she has no idea that the 10th Doctor is the Doctor. 
And it's great to see for the first time in the new era, the current companion, realizing that the Doctor's obviously had a lot of companions before in the past and that Rose isn't the first one. And I think Rose and Sarah Jane have some great moments together in this episode. I also think Anthony Head is a great villain in this, but the Krillotanes themselves, I don't really remember much of what they do and what they're all about. And I don't remember them standing out that much to me. But getting to see Sarah Jane and also getting to see K9 in this does make it better than the past couple of episodes that I've been discussing. So I'm going to put this one in good, I think, for now. Okay, so now we're getting on to Stephen Moffat's first episode of the David Tennant era. Now, Stephen Moffat was basically, like, at his peak during the RTD era, so this one is also, like a lot of the others, really good. But off the top of my head, I think this might be possibly the weakest one that Stephen Moffat wrote in the RTD era. I might be wrong, and I'm sure we'll get to some later on, maybe... I'm forgetting something, but I still really like this episode. It is kind of weird that Mickey and Rose do take a bit of a backseat and they're kind of just exploring the ship the whole time. I think the original version of the script probably didn't have them in it and then Moffat was told that he needed them to be there for it to make sense and so he just kind of wrote a little bit of something for them to do, but they do feel like a bit of an afterthought. But I think the main story with the Doctor and Madame the Pompadour is pretty good and I also quite like the Clockwork Droids who we kind of got to see again later on, but we haven't really seen them properly since. And I like the reveal of kind of what they are. And obviously, it also has a lot of the timey-wimey elements that Moffat started to use more and more throughout his writing, and even when he became the showrunner of the main show itself. I think this is probably the first time we really get to see a lot of those timey-wimey elements, because there isn't really any of that in his Series 1 story. So like I say, this is a really good episode, as all of Moffat's RTD era ones are, but it's probably the weakest of all of his RTD era stories, and so I don't think it quite gets into Fantastic. So for now, I'm going to put it in good, but I suppose it's possible at some point I might move it up to Fantastic. I'll see what else I put in there in the future. Now, I think The Rise of Sideman and The Age of Steel is a pretty interesting story, and I remember it being pretty good. I think it's cool that it all takes place on like a parallel world, and it's a very interesting way of introducing the Cybermen in the new era. And obviously, when I was watching this as a child, I had no idea about the classic version of the Cybermen and what how, how they were introduced or, or their, their origin story, their backstory. So knowing that now, it is a little bit like interesting because I do kind of prefer the kind of body horror idea of the classic Cybermen and this kind of isn't that it does have the same kind of ideas but they look more like just robots that have human brains in them and I preferred when we got to see the more body horror aspects of the Cyberman like in World Enough and Time and the Doctor Falls so if they do come back again I'd love to see more of that but at the time watching this I do think this was a good introduction and it was really interesting to see the parallel world and the stuff with Rose getting to see her dad again and a parallel universe where her dad's still alive and I think it's a pretty solid introduction for the Cybermen like I say. But for these two stories, I think personally, I'm just going to put them in... But for these two stories, I think personally, I'm just going to put them in good. As I can't really say they stand out too much from the other ones that I've put in this category. Now, The Idiot's Lantern for me... While I think it's a pretty cool concept and a pretty cool setting to put this story in, you know, focusing on the villain kind of being in the TVs and taking people's faces during the Queen's coronation, which is like was like the most viewed event on TV at that time or whatever, is a very cool concept, but... I think this episode is quite forgettable and they don't do enough with that concept for it to be interesting. And it's definitely one of the most forgettable episodes in this series and probably in the RTD era as a whole. So I think I'm going to put this one in bad. 
but it could maybe get moved up into okay if there's something else that gets put in there and i don't feel like they deserve to be in the same ones we'll see okay so the impossible planet and the satan pit i do remember being pretty good it's the first time we're introduced to the ood and the villain itself is literally like the devil or i guess it's called the beast in this one which is a really interesting idea i know shooty has recently said that he would love to see the beast again or maybe it was millie gibson saying it i can't remember which you know i did love this villain i think it was very cool i don't know how they'd be able to bring him back and what way they could utilize him but he is a very cool villain i especially like the scenes before we even get to actually see him and he's just like possessing people especially the scene where you can just hear his voice and he's telling the guy to not turn around that i remember really creeping me out as a child so i might actually put these ones both into fantastic at least for now but i might move them down to good if there's a few other things in fantastic that i don't think they should be in like the same level we'll see okay so now we get on to the infamous lover monsters and i just want to open this by saying this episode is so overly hated on and so underrated like i understand why some people don't like this and there's definitely elements of this story that i'm not a big fan of like the paving slab joke at the end does not need to be there but at the end of the day, it's not something you can really say makes the whole episode awful. But I also am not the biggest fan of the Absorbaloth. I don't think the villain for this story needed to be so comedic and so stupid looking. Because the concept of this episode itself as a Dr. Light story, I think the first Dr. Light story of the new, the new era, is a really good idea getting to see these normal people and how they've all come across the Doctor and they're all trying to find the Doctor and getting to see how the Doctor impacts just normal people like Jackie and all these other people that are part of Linda is a really cool idea. I just think it could have done with having like an actual serious villain, maybe even still the Absorbalot or a creature that had the same kind of abilities but not played in a comedic way would have been really interesting because the rest of the story is just great but it is let down by its comedic points and the Absorbalot himself. So like I say, I do get why people are not a big fan of this episode and why people were let down by this episode, but I personally still think it's really underrated and definitely overhated on, especially when the episode right after it is so much worse, which I'll get into. But for now, I'm going to put Love and Monsters in at least good because it's definitely better than okay. There is just a couple things to let it down. But as I was saying, I find it so weird that this is the episode that people talk about and hate on so much when Fear Her immediately follows it and is so much worse. I'm immediately going to put Fear Her in bad, but I'm going to keep talking about it. I think the reason people like to talk about Love of Monsters more than Fear Her when they're talking about bad episodes is because there's so much more to be offended by in Love of Monsters when it comes to like the Absorbaloff and the awful jokes that are in it. And there's just a, it's just a lot more interesting to talk about when talking about a bad story, whereas Fear Her is just boring. That's all there is to it. It's just so boring. So there's almost nothing to kind of talk about when talking about bad episodes with it because you just kind of almost forget it exists because it's just so bland. And so maybe that's why Love and Monsters gets brought up a lot more than Fear Her does. But I just think it's so unfair how hated Love and Monsters is and Fear Her just never gets brought up. But it's definitely in the bad category. It's one of the worst episodes in the show. It might be the worst episode just underneath Orphan 55. I think it's that bad. Now, I do get that it was written very quickly because there was meant to be another episode in this series, and then they replaced it with this very quick script. But it still doesn't make up for the fact of how bad it is. Like, Midnight was, which we're going to get to later on, I'm pretty sure that was written in like a week or two. And so it is possible to write a good script quickly and cheaply because Midnight proved that that could be done. Okay, so now we get on to the finale 
of series two, which I do really like, but I don't think I enjoy it as much as everybody else does. I think that comes down to the fact that I don't really like series two as much as a lot of people also seem to. And I also am just not a big fan of the 10 Rose um, ship. I think Rose's characterization just really makes a massive change when it goes from series one to two and when the Doctor changes from the ninth to tenth incarnation. Because Rose and the Doctor's relationship is so good in series one and their chemistry is so good. And I'm not trying to say that that Billy Piper and David Tennant's chemistry is not good in series two. Like they still have good chemistry, but they basically reduce her character down or almost do anyway to just fancy in the Doctor, when that was not at all what it was about in Series 1, and they don't do a whole lot else with it. Now, there's still some great moments in Doomsday, like, I still love all the moments that everybody else loves. I love the Daleks and Cybermen slagging each other off. I love the moment where Rose does get separated from the Doctor, and they're at the wall. And I love the bit on the beach at the end, but I just don't think those moments hit as hard for me as they do for everybody else. Because I just am so irritated by Rose's characterization in this whole series. But like I said, I do still like aspects of this episode. It's not like I hate this episode or anything. I just don't like it as much as everybody else seems to. So for me right now, I think I'm just going to put them in good. And I don't think they're going to get any higher than that. Okay, so now we're on to the second Christmas special, the first episode with Catherine Tate as Donna Noble in it, and she is so annoying in this episode. Now, I just want to make it clear, Donna Noble is probably my favourite companion of all time. This isn't me hating on Donna, but in this episode, and I think most people can agree, she is so annoying and feels like a bit of a different character. Now, I do still think it works because the whole point of series four is she does like, she, she grows as a character. And so you do have to have a start in at this point. And even in this episode, she grows from the start of the episode to the end. But even when we first see her in Partners in Crime, she's a much better character already. And maybe that is because of the growth of this episode that she has in this episode. But even throughout series four, she grows. And she does eventually become my favorite companion. But in this episode, she is so annoying. And while this episode itself is quite fun at parts, and I do like, for example, the chase scene with the TARDIS on the motorway, there's really not much else to it that I remember enjoying. It's just kind of a fun Christmas special with a very annoying version of Donna. So I think I am going to put this one in bad. But don't think I'm hating on Donna. Like I said, she's my favorite companion. Okay, so now we're on the first episode of series three and the first episode with Martha Jones, which is Smith and Jones. Now, I think this is a great introduction to Martha Jones, to the character of Martha Jones, and a great way to get Doctor and Martha together. And I think the concept of the hospital being transported onto the moon is a very cool idea. And obviously, this is where we're first introduced to the Jadoon, who we get to see a lot more after this. And hopefully, we're going to see them again still in the future. But besides that really cool concept and the Jadoon and getting to see the Doctor and Martha come together, that is kind of all this episode is useful for, is is getting those two characters together. And so it's more about the writing of those two characters and getting to see how those characters interact with each other and their chemistry and introducing us to the new companion, basically, which I think this episode does really well. But outside of that, there isn't a whole lot else to it. So I think for that reason, I'm just going to put this episode in good for now. And I'm realizing at the moment there is a lot of episodes in good. So I might have to move some stuff around later on, but we'll see. Okay, so The Shakespeare Code is another one of those episodes where I don't really remember much about it. I kind of forget this episode exists a lot, but it's not like bad or anything. It's just, well, I think it's just okay. So I think I'm going to immediately put this 
in okay and i don't feel that bad putting it that low on the list as well considering it's written by gareth roberts who's just an awful guy and i used to feel the same about gridlock i remember thinking gridlock was a pretty just okay episode and there wasn't a whole lot to it it was fine but the last time i watched it or maybe even the last couple of times i rewatched it it's a lot better than i remember it being I always forget the macro in there and they don't really do a whole lot to the story. It's almost just like a cameo of a classic villain that I didn't even know was like a classic monster. When I first watched it as a child, I'd never heard of the macro before. But I also always just forget they're in it. But the concept is really cool. They get to basically just be in the same location the whole episode, but just redecorate each car every time. And yeah, like I said, this episode is a lot better than I remember it being. And the reveal at the end is great. We also get to see the face of Bo again, which is great and sets up some stuff for later on in the series. So I just think this episode is a lot better than I remember it being, and I'm going to have to put it in good. Okay, so Daleks in Manhattan and Evolution of the Daleks is one of the most forgettable Dalek stories. I think they had a pretty cool idea, a pretty cool setting. The human Dalek is an interesting idea, but I don't think it's executed very well or memorably. It's cool to see Andrew Garfield in this episode, and he's good in it. But besides that, this episode is pretty forgettable, and I think it is to the point where I do kind of want to put it in bad right now. Similarly, the Lazarus Experiment, once again, it's a very cool idea, a very cool sci-fi concept, a good idea for a monster, and I like that we get to see Martha's family, but the episode itself just isn't all that great besides setting up Martha's family and why they don't trust the Doctor to kind of set up the finale. So I think I'm going to also put this one in bad. Okay, now we get to the first Chris Chibnall episode of Doctor Who, 42, which for a Chibnall episode, it's not like it's not that bad actually. I think it's a once again a pretty cool concept. We've got the classic Chibnall timer, like that's the whole point of this episode is that it takes place over 42 minutes in real time, which I think is a really cool concept. I think the villain is an interesting idea, basically the sun infecting people, and especially the moment where the doctor is infected is really scary, and Martha's basically just left to like figure it out on her own, and there's even the point where she thinks she's going to die at some point because she's heading straight for the sun in the escape pod, which I think is another great moment. But ironically, with you know some stuff Chibnall has said before he was even part of the show, it is a lot of just running around corridors, which is quite ironic considering that is stuff that he criticized in the past. And that is most of the episode, which I guess is a thing that happens when, you know, you set the episode on a spaceship and it's set in real time. But I do still quite like the vibe. It gives a very slasher movie vibe, which is a cool idea for a Doctor Who story. So I'm still going to put it in okay. I might even move it up to good at some point. We'll see. Okay, and now we get on to my favorite story in Doctor Who of all time, Human Nature, Family of Blood. I'll probably make a whole video about this at some point. But with that being said, I'm pretty sure Full Fat Videos has made a video that will probably cover anything that I'd say on it anyway. So if you want to check that out, I'll probably link that somewhere. But it's just such a good story. It's basically a Doctor Light story because although David Tennant is in the episode or the story quite a lot, he's not playing the Doctor. He's playing John Smith and he plays it like it's a completely different character, which I think is great and just shows his talent. And you get to see the, the Doctor as if he's an actual human and how different he is from humans. And the moment where John Smith realizes he's not real and he's got to give himself up to save everyone from the family of blood 
and he's just crying is one of my favorite moments in Doctor Who. And I think, once again, David Tennant plays it absolutely perfectly. We also get to see a lot more of Martha in this. A lot of this series just really shows how strong of a character she is, how she often has to work on her own, especially in this one where the Doctor's basically not there to help her. Just shows how great and strong of a character she is. And the family of blood themselves are so creepy and so well performed by every single actor that plays them, especially Baines. They're just so creepy and eerie, and especially the fact that we don't even really get to see what they look like is just so great. And we really get to see the Doctor's dark side in this story at the end where he just gives them basically the cruelest punishment which seems a little bit out of character, but, you know, sometimes we get to see the Doctor's dark side like that. And at the end of the day, he is giving them what they asked for, and what they wanted, and just showing them how what they wanted is not necessarily as good as they expected it to be. But another part that I love about this episode is how perfectly and subtly it sets up the finale by introducing us to the fob watch and the concept of the chameleon arch. Because when you first watch it, it seems like it's just for this story and it makes sense for this story and you don't really expect it to show up again but because we've seen this story when you eventually get to the finale and you see it we already understand what it is and i think that's just great writing for like an overall story arc of a series and just perfect setup and payoff so obviously with this being my favorite story in all of doctor who it's no surprise that obviously gonna put it at the very top tier. Okay, so now we get to the highest, what I believe is the highest rated episode of Doctor Who of all time, Blink, which, like I said, is the highest rated episode of all time, and I do think it's great. I maybe think it's a little bit overrated, because like I say, it, it isn't my favourite episode of Doctor Who, but I do see why people love it so much, and I do think it's also really good. Once again, like I said, Stephen Moffat's RTD era episodes are pretty much all great, he goes even further with the timey-wimey concept in this one. It might be the most timey-wimey story he's ever done, and it's I'm pretty sure where that phrase originates from. It's a great concept for a Doctor Light story, and the way we get to see him in these random videos where he can predict what everybody's saying is such a cool concept. Obviously, the Weeping Angels themselves are great. This is the episode they're the best in because, you know, the more and more we've got to see them, kind of the less interesting and mysterious they've got. So this is the Weeping Angels at their absolute best. And so even though I say it's a little bit overrated, I still will put it in the top tier because it is still a great episode. Okay, so throughout the okay, so throughout this video, I have been putting two parters kind of on the same tier, but that might change with this kind of three-part finale. Especially Utopia, it's kind of I I do count this as a three-parter, but Utopia is very different from the other two parts and is more of a setup for these two parts but I still think it's great and one of the best parts of this finale. And it perfectly sets up the finale. I think Derek Jacobi as the master is great. I know he kind of has come back for like big finishes and stuff like that for the War Master stuff, but I do hope at some point, maybe even just for like one story for one episode, that we get to see him again on like a one-off basis or maybe even just like some flashback scene or something because he was great as the master. But obviously, for the most part, we see him as Professor Yana for half, an episode or, or the most of the episode and then we briefly see him as the master and then he immediately regenerates i think the setting of this episode is a really cool idea just at a planet that you know humans have moved to at the very end of time or end of the universe and having the doctor martha and jack all together is great and obviously like i said when i was talking about human nature family of blood this perfectly 
sets up or pays off with the reveal of Professor Yana having the fob watch and also with, you know, the you are not alone that uh, the face of Bo said. I just think the master reveal is perfectly done and I just want to be able to experience it again for the first time not knowing anything. So I'm kind of torn whether I want to put Utopia in Fantastic or Greatest of All Time. I might put it in Greatest of All Time for now. But as we get on to the rest of this finale story with The Sound of Drums, I'm overall a pretty big fan of this story. I like the master, John Sims' master in this. I think the concept of him kind of working his way into being a prime minister is a really cool idea, especially the fact that we hear his name obviously throughout the whole series, which is a very subtle clue. You don't really realize it's going to be that important to the story. And the fact that by the time they've already got back to Earth, he's already prime minister and there was nothing they could do about it, I think is great. And I think especially John Sims' master and David Tennant's doctor work really well together. And for a lot of points in this story, they do feel kind of hopeless. It's almost like we feel like there's nothing our heroes can do, and I think that's done really well. So I think I'm going to put the sound of drums for now in Fantastic, because I think just, you know, the master reveal in the Utopia in Utopia and all that, it does top it a little bit with the, compared to this, but I do like... Another thing I, I, I'm, I'm going to mention, I like the fact that they're basically on the run and they're hiding out throughout this whole episode, I think is is really cool but yeah i think utopia does just top it off a little bit more but now we get on to last of the time lords which for the most part does also work really well i like how there's a bit of a time jump between sound of the drums and last of the time lords with this we get to see martha again having to be very independent and work on her own and be very strong because it is a bit of a doctor well it's definitely a bit of a doctor light episode again this one because he's like a little goblin the whole time just in a cage which i think is a really good idea but the problem with this episode is i'm not a big fan of the conclusion to this episode or the solution that they come up with i like the reveal that you know throughout the whole episode we've been thinking that martha's putting together this weapon to destroy the master but then it's revealed that that was just like a cover and she was actually you know uh, doing something else and talking to all these people and telling them about the doctor i think that's a really cool idea but the fact that it culminates in the doctor becoming like space jesus at the end and scaring the master is a little bit strange and doesn't really make much sense like they give a, they, they do give an explanation to it but i don't think it's that much of a good justification and the fact that the whole year or whatever it is is just kind of reversed by the push of a button is a little bit of a cop out for me so i think it it does kind of let down the past couple of parts of set up to this and also even the setup in like previous episodes like Human Nature and Family of Blood. It does let it down a little bit. But with that being said, there is still a bit at the end of this episode that I like. Not the actual conclusion and solution itself, as I just said. But I like the moment where the Master dies. And the Doctor is, you know, trying to force him to regenerate. And saying that he can travel with him. But the Master, because he wants to win, at least win something against the Doctor. He refuses to regenerate and dies. I think that is a really great moment. So there's obviously still some great moments in this episode, but I do think the conclusion does let it down quite a bit. So I don't think this can go any higher than good. I was debating putting it in okay, but looking at the other ones that are in okay, I think it's it's definitely better than that. Okay, so now we get to Voyage of the Damned. I think this is a pretty decent Christmas special. It's a lot of fun. I think the concept of the space Titanic is very cool. I like that the people on it. Specifically, Mr. Copper just pretends that he knows all these things about Earth and just gets it very wrong and about Christmas. I like Astrid as a character. I think she's played pretty well by Kylie Minogue. I like how she just, you know, she's she's a waitress on, on this 
ship but she really just wants to travel and that's the reason she does it and obviously the doctor gets to grant her that wish take her down to earth for a bit when she's not meant to be there and obviously that's great setup for trying to make her seem like she could be the next companion and then obviously that doesn't happen because she unfortunately dies i think the team that we get to follow through most of the episode that most of them you know eventually get killed off are pretty good and quite likable i mean there's obviously a very unlikable character in it as well but i think obviously that's intentional and done very well and i think it's very clever that they made him one of the only ones to survive and obviously this is the first time we get to see bernard cribbins as wilf even though he wasn't mentioned as being donna's grandfather because he wasn't intended to be that at this time so i think it's pretty good i'm debating whether to put it in okay or in good I think just because there's not a whole lot in OK, I might put it in there. No, actually, I'm pretty. I'll put it in good. I think is. I think it is better than OK. OK, so now we get into Partners in Crime, and this has a very similar thing to it with Smith and Jones, where the episode isn't really about you know the plot of like the villains or anything like that, or about the adipose, about the aliens. It's more about the Doctor and Donna kind of coming back together which I think is done really well, especially obviously the moment between them in the window, miming to each other and not realizing that they're being watched. Obviously that seems great, like a lot of people say. And there's some great moments between the Doctor and Donna in here. And Donna's obviously actually good in this one and not absolutely unbearable like she is in The Runaway Bride. So that helps. And like I said, she is my favorite companion. And this is where she really started to become that. But obviously, like I said, it's not really about like the plot itself and with the aliens. It's just about getting these two characters together, similar to Smith and Jones. So I don't think I can put it any higher than in good. Fires of Pompeii, however, Donna's second proper episode as a, the proper full-time companion is a lot better. I think I remember used to thinking that it was just kind of an okay episode, but on recent rewatch, it's a lot more than that. Obviously, the idea of it being a fixed point and something that actually happened in real life that we know about is great because we know how it's going to end as soon as they realize what day it is and we know what's coming. But Donna obviously thinks, well, they can save people. They should stop it from happening. And obviously, the doctor tells us they can't do that because it's a fixed point in time, which she doesn't really understand the idea of those yet. And I also think it's great that they end up having to be the people that make the volcano eruption happen because they know it's got to happen somehow, but they, they don't realize it's going to be because they have to make it happen by defeating the villains. And so I think that twist is really good as well. But we also get to see more of Donna's character in this and she becomes more three-dimensional of a character where we see Catherine Tate's great performance where she breaks down just telling the Doctor to save just one person and they eventually obviously save Caecilius's family, which I think is just a great moment. So I think for me personally, this episode, I used to probably would have put it in maybe okay or good, but I'm definitely going to put it in fantastic. It's so much better than I used to think it was. Planet of the Ood is really similar as well. I used to think this is one of the most forgettable episodes in the series and in the RTD era as a whole. But on rewatch, it's also so much better than I remember it being. And a really good story to be able to see the Ood again because... Obviously, when we first see the Ood, we know again that they're slaves, they're a slave race. But it's not really touched on that much in that episode because that's not what it's about. So it's great that we decided to come back to the Ood and actually do an episode about that and show how horribly these aliens are treated by people. And so, yeah, I think this episode is a lot better than I remember it being. I probably used to would have put it in uh, okay, but I think this time I'm going to put it in good. But it's it's almost at the level of fantastic. The Sontaran two-parter is fine. I don't really have a lot to say about it. 
it's cool that we get to see Martha again, and I think Martha and Donna are great together. And we get to see a lot of Wilfred in this one, which I think is really good. But the overall episode itself is just okay, in my opinion. I don't have a whole lot to say about it, really. So I'm going to put it in okay. The Doctor's Daughter, similarly, I think is fine. I think it's pretty good, but I don't have a whole lot to say about it. Once again, I like that Donna and Martha are in this one together. I think they're really good together in this one. But I can't really put it any higher than okay. Again, the Unicorn and the Wasp, while I do quite like it, and I like that it's a murder mystery with Agatha Christie in it, it's obviously the right thing to do. Like, if you're going to have an episode where they go back in time to meet Agatha Christie, of course you've got to make it a murder mystery. And I think that is really good. But, like, I'm not a big fan of, like, the villain itself, the alien. It's fine. But also... Catherine Tate and David Tennant's chemistry in this episode is so good. They're, they're so funny together in this episode. And so that really does bump it up a little bit. So I think I'm going to put this one in good. And now we get on to another Stephen Moffat story in RTD era. Silence in the Library and Forest of the Dead. This is one of his best ones. We get to see River Song for the first time. And it's probably the best River Song story if we're being real. Because similar to like the Weeping Angels, the more we see them the kind of less mysterious and interesting they become i do still like river song in her subsequent episodes and i do still think she's a great character but i think this is the best that we'd seen them especially the fact that you know she knows who the doctor is already but the doctor has no idea who she is it's another one of those timey-wimey Stephen moffat concepts that i think was just such a good idea even if we didn't end up seeing more of her outside of this episode i think i'm going to put this two-parter in fantastic Okay, and now for another great episode, great story. We're on Midnight. As I said earlier, this is proof that you can write a quick and cheap story and still make it really good because it ended up being one of the best episodes in the whole of Doctor Who. It's a companion light episode. We only really see Donna at the start and end. And it all takes place in one location. It's, it's basically a bottle episode that takes place on this like train thing that they're on going through this planet that you can't go outside of you can just look at it through the windows and we never see the midnight entity which i think is great like i was saying about the weeping angels the more you know about it the the, the less interesting it becomes you know if we ever got to see it at some point if for some reason it returned it would absolutely have ruined this this monster and so i'm really happy that we never got to see what it looks like what it is we never really know why it's even doing what it's doing and i think that is so perfect and, you know, normally when we see the Doctor, you know, being clever and knowing all these things, it's like an advantage. Everyone will just listen to him. They'll go along with it because they need somebody to, to take control. But it really works against him in this episode, which I think is great because he's put in a situation where his, his what he normally does actually makes people trust him even less. And I think that's perfect. There's no way I'm not putting this episode in GOAT. It's, it's got to be up there, one of the best. Similarly, turn left. I'm going to put it straight in GOAT. It's one of my favorite stories of all time. I love that it's kind of like an alternate universe look. You know, what if we get to we get to see all these things from like the past couple of series, but from an alternate universe if the Doctor had died, which I think is just a great concept for a Doctor Light a Doctor Light story. I think Donna's great in this as the main character. We get to see Rose again. It's just another one of those perfect stories. There's no way I couldn't put this in go. And now we get onto the finale of series four, The Stolen Earth, Journey's End which is like the Infinity War and Endgame, basically, of Doctor Who. It's basically every companion we've seen of the new era all coming together to face off against the Daleks, invading Earth. Davros is there. It's really good. And obviously the scene where the Doctor has to erase Donna's memories of her, of him is one of the best and most emotional moments in the whole show. And especially when, you know, he comes back and he has to talk to Wilf and Sylvia about it. 
it makes me cry every time, both the moment in the TARDIS where he's wiping her mind and Wilf's reaction as well. It's just so sad and I can't help but cry at it every single time. There's no way I'm not putting these in the greatest of all time. Now we get on to the 2009 specials, starting with... Starting with the next Doctor, the Christmas special, which I think is a cool idea, especially when people knew that, you know, David Tennant was going to be leaving soon. People might have genuinely thought this was going to be who the next Doctor was, and I think that was a really clever, like, clickbait way of getting people excited about this episode and intrigued. And I think the reveal of who the character actually is at the end is very clever and very cool. The rest of the episode as a whole is just kind of fine not a whole lot really happens in it the cybermen are there but don't really do a lot the cyber shades are like very strange i don't know why they needed to be in there and the bit where i can't even remember her name just makes a massive cyberman robot at the end that's just stomping around victoria and london is a bit boring to me so i don't think i can put this episode anywhere above okay next we've got possibly my least favorite of the 2009 specials planet of the dead i don't think it deserves to be in bad but there's not a whole lot to it that I really like. I almost forget it's even in there, and you probably don't even really need to watch it if you want to get a full picture for the 2009 specials, so I'm going to put it in okay, because I think it is still better than bad, but it's definitely the worst one of the 2009 specials. With that being said, now we're getting on to the best one of the 2009 specials, The Waters of Mars, which similarly to Fires of Pompeii, we get in there knowing that this is a fixed point in time all these characters are going to die somehow and the doctor cannot stop that from happening and so he tries his best to basically get out of there but they won't let him leave so he just kind of has to be there and watch the inevitable as all these people are about to die around him and he starts watching them slowly get killed off by the flood who are great enemies this really great concept to have them basically be infected by by this water that as soon as one drop touches you you're infected too i think that's such a great idea and such a scary concept definitely one of the creepiest villains we've had in the show but obviously at the end he decides you know he's the last time lord left he becomes the time lord victorious and he decides to save all the people that are left at the moment that he decides that he's going to change history and he, he decides to change this fixed point in time because he's just got his massive ego on him, you know? He's decided he's able to do it now. And maybe that's because he's done it once before with, as he says, little people in Fires of Pompeii. And so he just becomes really arrogant and egotistical and decides to just change time. And that moment, that scene at the end where he's explaining all this is one of the best scenes in the show. And you know, he thinks he's doing the right thing, but he's really not. And so Adelaide shoots herself anyway because she knows... She wasn't meant to live. And that just, you know, it really brings him down to earth. He realizes he's made a big mistake and that he's not basically this god just because he's the only Time Lord left and he doesn't have anyone to answer to. He realizes that what he's doing is still wrong. He can't do that. It's just a perfect episode. There's no way... I don't really need to carry on talking about it and praising it. There's no way I'm not putting it in GOAT. The end of time, though, David Tennant's last story as the Tenth Doctor full-time is not as good as the rest of the specials in 2009. I remember loving it as uh, as a child when I was younger when it came out. I thought it was great. It's great to see the master back and I love that Wilf is the companion. He's my favorite companion and this story is the only reason I'm allowed to even count him as a companion. I mean, I know I did say earlier Donna's my favorite companion, but if we can count Wilf as a companion because of this story, Wilf is my favorite companion. And if not, then he's my favorite character anyway in in the show. There's no doubt about it. But besides that, the actual story itself isn't, like, the best one. And the regeneration, as much as I loved it at the time, I realize now 
is not the best one and so i think i'm gonna have to put this whole story in good and that's it this tier list doesn't have like other david Tennant stories that were after his era in it like um they are the doctor and obviously doesn't have like power of the doctor in it because that doesn't really count it's not a david Tennant story just like how it doesn't have part in the ways in it you know just because he shows up at the end because he's been regenerated into it doesn't really count so that's every david Tennant era story ranked I think I'm pretty happy with that. There's maybe some that I could change and move around slightly. But I think I'm going to stick to that. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you change, what your favorites are, what your least favorites are, if there's anything you disagree with. And if you want to watch something similar to this, I've actually made a tier list of every series of New Who about a year ago. So if you want to see me make more Doctor Who tier lists, I'll put that on screen now and you can click it.